rocking my uh, Jordan top that I just actually got recently. Um, I have built uh, the excitement around the Jordan brand since watching this film. Um, the only thing that I thought was um, exciting or getting me motivated to see this film was uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Mainly Ben Affleck because Ben Affleck is a great director, he's a great writer. I think he's a genius in that area. Um, I would even say that his directing skills and his writing skills, even though he didn't write this particular film, his directing skills and writing skills are awesome and better than his acting skills. Even though I think his acting is pretty, pretty amazing. So I think that says a lot m more about his skills as a director and the kind of credit that I like to give uh, to him for that. So. Um, I want to start off by saying, uh, when I when I review this film, I want everybody to take a moment um, and consider this to be a blockbuster, but not the kind of classic blockbuster commercial um, commercial promoting big uh, distribution kind of film because it's not that. Um, but the reason why I say consider this as a blockbuster because it is damn good. This movie is one of the best films that I've seen in a very, very long time. And, you know, like we can always get super excited about films um, or like, you know, we can always find it hard to tame that kind of excitement when a film is so good. So there is a little bit of hyperbole there. A sort of undertone of hyperbole um but i don't think that's a bad thing i think it's it's exciting and awesome and inspiring when you get to see such a film like this the writing is impeccable the directing is impeccable the performances from matt damon ben affleck as well he's in this movie too christmas cena viola dalis um uh chris tucker it's like I always, I, I've always believed that Chris Tucker is a great actor, and this movie really shows more of his range and what he's capable of, his, um, let's say, dramatic range or his drama range, and, um, drama range and acting. So this is, it's a, it's a really, really awesome film. You know, like, a film is awesome when you come out of the theater with, like, a bit of rhythm and bounce to your walk, um, and you feel super inspired, and that's that's what I felt when I left with the, when I left theatre, or even when the credits started. I just was so inspired, and I was like, "Oh, damn! I wish more and more people could make good films like this. <laughs> it's that good." But um, nonetheless, let's get into it. My name is Rivervilli, the uh, host and the creator of Legit Cool Podcasts, where we review, we recap. And we break down everything to do with movies and TV series. TV series makes up a very small portion of this podcast. It's primarily movies. Um, and uh, we just get to really review, talk about um, some of our favorite films and even some of the films that we might not partic like particularly favor. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, we take requests. Um, there, are, there have been some requests from people on social media um, asking if we can review sort of movies and if we get around to it, then we would. But um, ultimately, we just like to review and talk about the films that we really want to go and see. 
um, just because it's it's uh it's what excites us. Um, anyway, let's dive straight into this review. I think um, what's going to be really key about learning if you already if you already seen the film, what's going to be key uh, when you're listening out for especially the plot part when we when I sort of take you through the recap and walk through the entire film, talking about aspects of the film that really worked, um, technical aspects, uh, performances, lighting, cinematography, all that kind of stuff. When I walk through that, um, I want you to bear in mind that uh, this type of analysis on this film, and just like all the other podcast episodes that I do, reviewing films, this type of analysis is really through the lens of um, what I've managed to experience in my time of watching film and television since I was a kid. And it doesn't come from a sort of a professional lens, if that makes sense. Like I've never really made films. I've never written films. I've only really watched them. Um, I don't know if that's the kind of expectation that you have, but um, that's what I always want to mention and get out of the way um and so yeah you're really just hearing a review from someone who's just a general punter going to see a film but i have an affinity for film so um you could say that i have a certain analysis and also my friends that jump on the podcast we have a certain analysis that is just very very personal and very very much from an engagement standpoint like how well we connect to the film. So um, just want to get into some movie information. So directed, this movie Air is directed by Ben Affleck. It's written by a guy called Alex Convery. Convery? I hope I pronounced that correctly. Not familiar with this guy's work at all. Um, so as far as I can see, he's only written this film. <laughs> So not much there at all. Um, starring Matt Damon, who's playing the, I guess, the main character, Sonny Vaccaro, who's basically the character that um, is the mastermind behind the whole Air Jordan brand um, or bring it to fruition. Jason Bateman playing Rob Strasser. Uh, and by the way, um, also, if you haven't seen this film and you're listening to this review, totally up to you. Um, all these characters are real life depicted characters. Um, this is a, a biopic for all intents of purposes. Um, although the, the film likes to state that it's based on true events, you know, there's dramatic interpretation, there's um, cinematic interpretation in order for them to create something a bit more exciting for film. So I think overall, these types of films have are pretty, let's say, true in its nature or the vast majority of it is true like what they're talking about and what they're depicting on screen um but there, there are some like sort of stretched truths uh, maybe that's a maybe that's a good way of um seeing it stretched truths i don't know if that's a thing but um let's just go with that uh yeah so these characters are real characters and some of them have just been um expressed overly overt um not overt sorry um being sort of exaggerated for dramatic purposes 
so yeah, Jason Bateman plays uh, Rob Strasser, Strasser, I think. Ben Affleck plays Phil Knight, the CEO um, and founder or co-founder, no, sorry, founder of Nike. Chris Messina plays David Falk, who's the manager of uh, Michael Jordan. Um, the, and then Viola Davis plays Dolores Jordan, big, big role, huge responsibility there. Um, Michael Jordan's mom. And then we've got Julius Tenen, who plays Michael Jordan's father, James Jordan. Now, fun fact, um, Viola Davis and Julius Tenen, they play a married couple, the, the parents of Michael Jordan. They're actually a married couple in real life. That's something pretty cool that I found out when I was you know, doing some YouTube surfing on uh, interviews and all sorts of stuff, which is kind of what you do. Like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but every time I see a film and it's pretty – it's a pretty awesome experience, the film. I always jump straight into YouTube and look up interviews, look up maybe some BTS behind-the-scenes stuff, any kind of material that I can grab onto because I'm just still riding that hype and that excitement from such a good film. Um, so, yeah, I found out that Viola Davis and Julius Tenen are a real married couple. We've got Damien Delano Young, who plays Michael Jordan, Um but you don't actually get to see him, which is a really, really genius and awesome part of the film that I really want to get into when um, they get into the recap. We've got Chris Tucker, who plays Howard White, and Matthew Ma, who plays Peter Moore. There are some other characters in this, but these characters that I mentioned are really kind of the important characters that tell the whole story. Uh, with a runtime of one hour and 52 minutes, it had a pretty um, humbling budget of $70 million. Um, its current box office is 56.1, so just a little bit of $56 million. Now, that's not a true indication, or at least with like the amount of time that it's been out, it's not a true indication of the quality of the film by no means, by no stretch of the imagination at all. Um, this was released the 5th of April, um, and as of this recording, the 21st of April. That's been out for about two and a half, almost three weeks. And I think it's doing well. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to build some legs and some momentum once people discover more of the positive reviews. And it's it's just doing really, really well in reviews. So I think a film like this is never really going to have a strong start straight out of the blocks. I think it's going to take time to build momentum in order for people to hear the word of mouth that this movie is something to be seen. Is it something to be seen on screen? It's not like it's not like a massive scale film with lots of visual effects and big set pieces and big action set pieces and whatnot that requires like a massive budget and you get more out of it when you see it on the big screen. It's not that kind of film, but I would say that you need to experience in the cinema only because out of respect of such a good film making, I think. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's just a drama, really. Um, the general consensus um, in Rotten Tomatoes, well, let's just start with the critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes is currently 92%, and the audience rating is 98%. So it's it's flying. It is flying, like Jordan... I didn't want to. <laughs> didn't really want to do that cheesy punchline, but I did. I did it. Sue me. Um, the critics' consensus is a fact, uh, quote unquote, a fact-based drama that no one um, 
will dunk on. Air aims to dramatize events that change the sports world forever and hits almost nothing but net. The critics' consensus is um, Ben Affleck and a terrific cast score with Air, which is much more entertaining than any movie about a long-ago business deal has any right to be. Um, completely agree with uh, those consensus, and uh, I want to like elaborate a lot more on that, but we'll, I will do that once I get into the recap. Um, I'm just going to read the synopsis here for the film. From award-winning director Ben Affleck, Air reveals the unbelievable game-changing partnership between a then-rookie Michael Jordan and Nike's fledging basketball division, which revolutionized the world of sports and contemporary culture with the Air Jordan brand. This moving story follows the career-defining gamble of an unconventional team with everything on the line, the uncompromising vision of a mother who knows the worth of her son's immense talent and the basketball phenom who would become the greatest of all time. That's a, that's a, that's an epic story. I mean, there's an epic plot and synopsis description for this film. And it's almost like a perfect summary of this film. It's, it's when in the synopsis, when it talks about, um, revolutionizing the world of sports and contemporary culture it couldn't be any more um true because um the air jordan brand i mean there's people all over the world that wear the air jordan brand and like myself who have nothing to do with basketball <laughs> i mean i don't i don't follow basketball i don't watch nba i don't do i, I don't really know anything about basketball but the exciting thing about this, about seeing this film, it actually inspired me to do some research on um, NBA history and basketball players and the greats, um, the great, the greatest players of all time. And then um, you always find yourself in that kind of rabbit hole on YouTube where you know you're uh, discovering this video, and then it suggests another video, and then all of a sudden I'm starting to watch like who is the greatest of all time argument videos and all that kind of stuff, and it's a really fascinating world whole Michael Jordan thing and even if you are someone like me someone like myself who has never followed basketball doesn't really have an interest in wanting to follow basketball I think basketball is a cool game I think it's something I could get behind I've just never really committed to um wanting to watch basketball I'm a soccer guy so soccer takes enough of my time (laughs) um but so in saying that what I'm trying to say is that I'm somebody who loves the Air Jordan brand and that's kind of the cultural influence that it's had over the years, not just um, revolutionizing the sports world, but yes, the cultural world as well. So, And I'm pretty sure there's millions of people like myself who don't watch basketball and love wearing the Air Jordan brand. So yeah, awesome, awesome brand. I really like this font. It's really cool. Whoever designed this, props to you, my friend good typeface graphic design nerd i'm a graphic designer (laughs) uh okay so i'm gonna get into my first impressions um i'm gonna talk about the highlights talk about some of the lowlights talk about some of the performances and a little bit of direction just as a overall first impression once the credits started rolling and then i'll get into the recap um so first impression is amazing (laughs) amazing Absolutely amazing. 
it's it's actually very hard when a film is so good it's very hard to uh nitpick i mean at that point you're just kind of nitpicking what really doesn't work and um sometimes i think about a nitpick i'll say oh yeah uh this this camera shot didn't really work it's i always have to sort of take a step back and go and think i mean is that really a nitpick and am i am i just doing that because i need to have a nitpick is it possible that there are no nitpicks i don't know it's, it's that's still something that i'm um deliberating over but um yeah so some key highlights first one that comes to mind is matt damon playing sonny vaccaro now i don't i don't know about you listener but in your opinions and your thoughts on Matt Damon as an actor and his performances, I think Matt Damon is one of the most talented perform- uh, performances, performance, <laughs> one, of the, one of the most talented performers of all time in film. Um, uh, definitely still, you know, uh, one of the best, I'd say top five working actors in the world right now, um, alongside Brad Pitt, alongside Tom Cruise, um, Denzel Washington, I guess Ben Affleck. <laughs> um, some of you guys might disagree with that list, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I just think ben, Matt, Matt Damon is amazing. And I think the first time I ever saw Matt Damon really start to stretch his legs was probably the Bourne series. Um, I think he was quite good in Good Will Hunting. He was really, really good and convincing and talented Mr. Ripley. Um, that's actually a film that I haven't seen in a very long time, and I do want to go back and see that film. Maybe I do a review for the podcast for that. Who knows? Throwback review of some sort. But yeah, like Matt Damon to me has always been awesome. He's There's never really been a film where I, see, where I see Matt Damon not doing so well. He always makes good choices. He's very conscientious about the kind of roles that he wants to play. Um, he always reads the scripts. Uh, well, obviously, that's that's a... A standard for every single actor but he makes really conscious choices of the kind of films that he wants to be a part of and i always feel like he's the kind of actor that you never see him in a bad film because he likes to choose films that are pretty well written and got a good director behind him so anyway he's one of the biggest highlights for this film and playing a character like sonny vaccaro who is the person that um scouts and looks for the best players in the NBA um, or at least like the best players that they can afford at the time. Um, This is Nike we're talking about here. Uh, He was brought into Nike to do this job um, and uh, his his performance was just so convincing. He had conviction behind his – by the way he moves his actions were very different from what you're used to seeing Matt Damon do which is a very particular skill that most I think most viewers going to the cinema wouldn't really sort of pinpoint these types of things like what is what is their body language like how are they placing their hands and their arms when they're in resting mode how are they placing their arms when they're in action mode or you know what what are they doing when they're standing up with their arms all that kind of stuff this kind of i guess it's called physical theater or physical you know uh movement performance or performance movement something like that um that that requires like years of experience and harness skill so matt damon someone that really does that well with the son of a character i think he wore a fat suit in this 
not sure. Um, the only reason why I'm unsure is because Matt Damon isn't that size and he's not that chubby. <laughs> he could be now, maybe. I doubt it, though. I, I don't think I've ever seen him in that kind of shape. He's he's quite plump and chubby. Like, he's the kind of fat guy that is quite unhealthy, right? Like, he doesn't do any work. and doesn't do any, any exercising whatsoever. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a fat suit, but I could be wrong. Someone fact check me. Someone fact checked me for me uh, with that one, but um, and there's quite a bit of like prosthetic makeup I think on him just to change up his appearance a little bit, just to kind of compromise a little bit to to help the viewer get into the character, um, or I guess also help Matt Damon get into the character as well. Um, so yeah, lots of conviction behind his performance, his ups and downs, his kind of challenges that he comes across as a as uh, as his character Sonny Vicaro is really evident, but um, what drives him is the ability to just really solve a problem. Which is classic like business entrepreneurial mentality is um, you know what the problem is, but you're trying to figure out the solution a million and one times. You just don't really know what the solution is yet, and he's very tenacious in trying to discover what their solution is. And his job, like I said before, and as you probably already know, if you've already seen this film, is that his job was to look for a bunch of NBA players that was going to bring in good revenue for the Nike business at that time. Uh, uh, late 70s? No, sorry, early 80s, late 70s. Something like that. Uh, okay, so that's only like one key highlight that I spoke about. Um, the other highlight that really comes to mind is the music. The soundtrack. Ah, it's the kind of soundtrack that I really love, like the kind of uh, genre of music that I really enjoy, which is funk, 80s, 70s, um, soul and funk. But it's a lot of that sort of psychedelic funk. Um, there's some artists that I can remember that played in the soundtrack were like Parliament, P-Funkadelic. Um, there was Zap and Roger. Oh, like some classic songs from Zap and Roger as well. Um, Computer Love was on there. I just remember like the beginning of Computer Love. If, if you know what I'm talking about, listener, if you know the song Computer Love um, from Zap and Roger, like it's, you can, the way they faded into one of the scenes just to transition into the next scene, it's really cool. You can hear like the beginning of Computer Love, like going, boom, boom, okay anyway <laughs> it's like if you people that like don't listen to zap and roger or have no idea what that kind of music is forget that just uh um yeah i just nerded out a little bit I, I love the kind of music it's because it's like part of my dancing background it's the kind of musical genre that we um use and the kind of dance i do anyway um yeah soundtrack is awesome i'm, I'm probably going to buy the soundtrack on Spotify, if it comes out, I mean, they have to release the soundtrack. Even though I've got all this music, it's just it's just so exciting to have all that music in one. But it's not just like funk and soul and psychedelic funk. Um, there's quite a lot of like eighties rock and eighties uh, pop music and stuff. Not a lot of pop, but I think it's more like indie rock or actually, I don't really know what you call that genre, but it's that kind of like wham type genre. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah key highlight it was really cool for that and i think that the music 
plays such an important character um, in this film because it really sustains the consistency of you being in that time period. I think that's what the movie does so well is that it makes you feel like you are in that time period and you're never getting out. There's not one point in the film where I felt like I was back in the 21st century. I was just fully immersed into that time period and they did so well for that. And then I guess like the rest of the highlights is, is really to do with um, being immersed in that timeline. So it's, it's props, it's costuming, it's makeup, it's, it's uh, uh, lighting, um, color grading, all of that really comes together so tightly that for, for not one moment, not even one split second that I thought, oh yeah, that's 21st century. It's just brilliant. Brilliant even like location, like whoever's whoever done like the um, scout locating, scout, what are they called again? Location scouts or something like that. Part of the producer team or part of the production team. Anyway, you know what I'm probably talking about is someone who scouts the locations that are suitable for the film. Um, they even did a great job in this and yeah, so that's kind of my long list of uh, highlights. Lowlights, I honestly can't really think of any lowlights. Um, and I'm I'm too afraid of if I start to try and discover a nitpick that I feel like I'm just doing it for the sake of nitpicking and it's not a real nitpick. But you know what? Uh, when I go through the recap, that's probably going to help us a lot more discovering whether there are some real nitpicks because the recap is all about in-depth analysis of act one act two and act three so um i I mean actually sorry before i get into that i did say that i wanted to get into performances about first impression but yeah matt damon great performance jason bateman great performance ben affleck great performance christmas cedar great performance like all of them all of the performances are great. I don't think anybody did a bad job at performing. I mean, even like the side characters, let's call them the talking extras, you know, the extras that have lines, they were even good. I mean, they even they had like one line or two lines, they were still pretty good. Like they fit the mold and had the right reaction. It didn't look like they were just cashing in a paycheck for a talking extra. You know, like it was great. It was great. Um. Anyway, let's get into the recap. That's the wrong transition. <laughs> this is the transition. We always like talk about this uh, these transition sound effects that we love to use in the um, podcast, and it's I think I labeled it the Christopher Nolan sound effects. You know, it's very Christopher Nolan esque. Um, okay, so um, the beginning of Act One. In 1984, Oregon-based Nike company, Inc. Nike Company, Inc. <laughs> Nike Incorporated, jeez, is on the verge of um, shutting their basketball shoe division down to low sales. In response to this, the marketing VP, Rob Strasser, played by Jason Bateman, along with co-founder and CEO Phil Knight, tasked Nike's basketball talent scout, Sonny Vaccaro to come up with a new spokesperson for the Nike basketball shoes. While considering the basketball players chosen in the 1984 NBA draft, Nike's executives think third pick Michael Jordan is off limits. 
being both of a fan of Adidas and too expensive for the basketball division's meager budget. Uh, but once he watches Jordan's highlights in conjunction with an Arthur Ashe commercial for his head rackets, Vaccaro becomes convinced that Nike should pursue who he considers a generational talent with both brand and athlete building off each other. Okay, so um, the the beginning of Act 1, it's really all about that setup play, right? Classic way that you do a film... You set up the story by um, starting off with uh, the concept of the story. The concept of the story is all about how do we get um, so-and-so to be a good representative for the company so we can build our revenue portfolio right? as Nike. So something that was quite interesting for me um, because this movie is equally Nike history uh, learn uh, learning. Um, education and also just um, the brand education as well so um, this movie teaches you a lot about business um, uh, business fundamental uh, learning and um, yeah it it teaches you a lot about how like a startup company like Nike even though it wasn't really a startup company at this time um, it still had its kind of startup nature to it, even though they had corporate structure with um, a um, board team and like executive board team and all that kind of stuff with um, a CEO being accountable to the board team, righty, righty, rah. It was still relatively like a startup, especially in the basketball division. So, um, yeah, again, it manages to teach you a lot about the history of Nike, but also the history of um, uh, how big businesses like Nike managed to pull themselves out of really, really bad situations to sort of throttle them into the well, how we understand that brand today. Um, so really cool. I didn't really know anything about the Nike brand, to be honest. I didn't know much about the story of Phil Knight. I, I knew who Phil Knight was, you know, being the CEO and founder of Nike. You just didn't really know the story itself. Um so this this first act really does well to pace in terms of setting up the concept. Um, and that concept is what I like to call the problem that the film needs to figure out. And that problem is that Nike's in a bad position with um, the basketball division because they just don't have good representatives in the NBA um, to represent the brand because nobody wants to wear Nike shoes. And that was actually a big surprise. Like I didn't really, I don't know anything about the NBA, like I said before, let alone what shoe brands were the most popular um, back in that time. I just assumed, I don't know, and one. <laughs> no, um, and one's like the only brand I know in, in basketball. I just didn't even like think that there were, these popular brands like Adidas, Nike, and I guess Converse, we learned about that uh, in the film. I didn't realize that these brands were big in basketball. I just, my ignorant self just thought, oh, yeah, it's N1 and some other like basketball brands. <laughs> but of course, that's so stupid. It makes sense that there are big sporting brands that are uh, behind these uh, this big industry known as the NBA. Um, so, yeah. And then on top of that, just didn't know that Nike uh, wasn't 
a true competitor. I think the stat that they brought up in the film was something around like 13%, 18% of share market for basketball shoes. The highest share market was Converse. Was it Converse? Or I think it was Adidas. One of those two. Like it was always um, neck and neck between uh, Adidas and Converse on um, market monopoly for basketball shoes. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, yeah. This this first act really manages to um, tie a lot of that information up so well um, with just brilliant, well paced pacing. Well paced pacing, just brilliant pacing. Um, and I think that's important when you're when you're doing a film that has a lot of um, a lot of content that the viewer has to absorb over time and especially um, if it's that what I call the problem that the film needs to figure out right at the beginning, um, if it's going to be a hefty in-depth exposition dump for that, then it needs to be guarded, not guarded, sorry, it needs to be guided with uh, really good pacing and that's editing um, and direction. So. Yeah, it was it was really really well done. This whole uh, first part, and then, of course, like one of the highlights I said before with the um, soundtrack. The soundtrack kicks in right at the beginning. There's a montage that opens up the film, and you'll know this if you've seen this, and if you haven't, that's totally fine. Um, there's a montage there of '80s commercials and '80s video clips of. Um, basketball and all that kind of stuff it's really cool it's it's a very smart and efficient way for the viewer to dive and immerse straight into that timeline of the 80s and you can tell that that was quite an important decision or an important aspect for someone like ben affleck to prescribe to the audience that we're in the 80s and i'm gonna throw you a bunch of 80s commercials and um, um, 80s video clips to really sell you this idea that we are in this time period. And then so that transition into kind of the first scene, which we see Sonny Vaccaro sitting at um, college basketball game. It was really cool. It's like it, it's, it, um, it had that kind of grainy film texture in the montage. And then when we see <clears throat> um, Matt Damon and Sonny Vaccaro in the uh, college basketball sitting down just watching scouting doing his thing it still kept up that kind of grainy 80s film and i was like oh my god are they actually gonna make the whole film like this and and i was kind of scared from that because it's it's quite hard to watch that for a very long period of time like it's cool to see retro film it's cool to see that you know that was technology once once upon a time but to watch it for two hours no i ain't gonna do that especially if it's gonna be a film um and then luckily, like it just it just kind of quickly transitions um, sort of black and white um, straight into like modern filming with proper <laughs> filming, but still obviously in the 80s uh, theme and context. Um, yeah, so the whole beginning was a really, really good introduction to everything. And then when we get into Act 2, this is when the momentum starts to pick up with the story. So let's get into Act 2. Act 2, Act 2. Uh, following dinner with his friend George Raveling, 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 that's played by uh, Damon Waynes, uh, who coached Jordan in the Olympic tournament, 
and asking for his support in courting the star, Bakara travels to Wilmington, North Carolina, where he convinces Michael's mother, Dolores, that Nike would give Jordan all the attention that he would um, not get from his preferred brands like Adidas or Converse. Now, um, I'm just going to pause there for a sec before we move on to the next uh, part of the act too. Um, cause there's quite a lot of stuff that uh, I want to touch up on. And, um, even in the end of act one and the beginning of act two, um, just before he meets, uh, George Rowling, um, he's caught him, he's caught himself into, and when I say he's sorry, Matt Damon, son of Bikara, he's got himself in a really tricky situation. His life, not his life, his, his job with Nike is very much on the line. And he's walking on a tightrope uh, because he just can't find or he can't crack down the right NBA player. And even though the um, the other scouts, I think they're scouts as well, like within the within the basketball division in Nike where he sits in the same room and they sort of research, they discuss, do some PowerPoint presentations, not PowerPoint, but they use overhead projectors back then. Um, if you're... If you're born in the 2000s, you probably won't know what an overhead projector is. <laughs> it's basically just a projector, uh, but not electronic. Um, so he's in this room with uh, these kind of so-called scouts. And um, at, at this point, Sonny Vaccaro is just, he's tired and he's lost his patience. He just doesn't, he doesn't like the fact that he's surrounded by people in the basketball division that, do not know anything about basketball. They don't know a thing. Um, at least compared to someone like Sonny Vaccaro. He's like, Sonny is an expert. This is what you learn about his, this character. He's an expert in seeing talent. He's an expert in analysis, like basketball analysis. So when he's in this room, he's kind of like dismissive, uh, dismissive to everyone else in the room because they're all trying to figure out in a long list of people on this overhead projector presentation um, who are we going to go for? And this is this is sort of led by Jason Bateman's character, um, uh, Rob Strasser. And he's got, he's, he, you know, you know what Jason Bateman's like if you've seen his performances. He's very charming. He's very cool. Like, he's very funny. He has this uh, uh, kind of calmness to him that um, has a slight sense of urgency, but it's not in it's not intense urgency. It's for, it's it's very kind of attentive, um, calm urgency. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, he's he's just got this kind of relaxed nature to him, and he brings that into every character that he does. And he's, um, he he's great. He's great in this character. He's great in the scene, and he's a little bit of the comedy relief as well for the film because Jason Bateman's just a funny guy. He's got dry wick humor, and it always works. At least in my opinion, it always works. I just. Love it when he cracks his jokes because he's a great comedian. Um, and he's trying to pull it out, you know, of everybody. Um, you know, come on, guys, like, who are we going to choose here? We need some names. Somebody just mentioned something. And then one of the guys in the room, I can't remember his name, he says, I don't even remember the basketball player that he mentions. He's like, yeah, that guy. And it's like some guy from um, um, a weird small town that none of them had ever heard of um and then that's when Sonny Vaccaro like puts him on the spot and he's like what do you like about his game um and he's like oh I just like whatever like something something about his game he's like yeah yeah but like like I, I know that he's like the fifth pick of the draft or whatever or the fourth pick of the draft uh but what do you like about his game and he's trying to pull it out of him just so 
Sonny can make a point that you don't know anything about basketball. Like you're only choosing people based on like some kind of ranking or a statistic or whatever, but you actually don't know anything about their basketball game. And, and the purpose of that, at least the way I interpret it, the purpose of that is that Ben Affleck wants you to learn more about Sonny's in-depth intelligence on basketball, which allows him credibility to be in that position of choosing the right NBA player. Like he's kind of the silver bullet, right, for Nike in order for them to propel into a large-growing or fast-growing um, money-making business that Nike is. So um, really, really cool scene. And then that scene sort of goes into when they go to the bathroom and <laughs> Rob stress Jason Jason uh, Bateman's character says, oh, uh, I'm going for a shit or something. <laughs> and then they have this conversation inside the bathroom, which is, which is really cool. This kind of reminds me of um, good storytelling when it's all about characters, interactions, and character um, explanation, exp- sorry, character exposition. Um, when it's done well, the conversations are carried on in so many different contexts and s- scenarios. Like the fact that you continue that conversation into the bathroom, it's a different context and it kind of lightens up the scene a little bit and it it breaks up the chain or, you know, it b- breaks up the monotony a little bit of going from that sort of dark meeting room into like a different scenario. So it's a good way of, um, and an efficient way of really learning more about both characters and especially Sonny's character. Um, yeah, so then we, we get into this, this second act, right, where he wants to go meet George Rowling, who was the coach of the Olympic tournament that took Michael Jordan um, into his team. Um, and he wanted to just learn more about whether his decision is going to be correct if he reaches out to jo- uh, Michael Jordan um, because he believes that he is so-and-so, right? And the scene is – it's actually one of the coolest scenes in the film – where they're sitting at a bar and the 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 scene is sort of described by um George Rowling telling him a story about um him making a bad decision and the story was a really cool story about him getting the Martin Luther King um original speech really really well done um and um and then he talks about another scenario where he kind of like he lost it or something or he didn't want to give it away um and that was his way of saying, hey, this is like what happens, you know, we, we, we make decisions, but we we don't necessarily know if it's the right one. Um, but and and then Sonny, Sonny's trying to say, well, are you saying that I should go to <laughs> um, to Wilmington, North Carolina to meet um, Michael Jordan's mother? And he's like, hell no, I'm not telling you to do that. Like, you know, I'm saying that, you know, if this is what you feel like you should do, this is the decision that you should go for. And then that might be the decision that works out, but I'm not telling you, you should go. <laughs> so yeah, it was really, really fun. Cool scene. And that, again, that's at a, in a different context at a bar and it just changes up the um, scenario a little bit to make it a bit more exciting. Um, so we get to North Carolina where he meets his mother and he convinces um, his mother that, um, you know, we should meet together because Nike should be the brand that he should be with. This scene is actually one of the best scenes of the film where sitting inside sorry outside in their backyard and the conversation it isn't very long but it feels really rich 
it feels like long and rich, but it doesn't feel long. I know that sounds confusing, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there's, it's just so rich in content. The dialogue that they have between the two, I'm sure there was quite a, quite a bit of ad lib and interpretation on their own behalf as talented professional actors. But um, it was just the scripting was just so good. It's perfect. You know, uh, Sonny Vicar is talking about how I'm going to describe to you what Adidas and Converse are going to say in these meetings. I'm going to describe it to you word for word. And he goes on and he explains everything of like even down to word for word what the people at Converse is going to say, word for word what the people from Adidas was about to say. I mean, I love the fact that he, uh, when she says, um, so what does Adidas going to say? And then he gets into a German accent. Oh, my gosh, that was hilarious. And then she's like, no, 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 just, just, you know, you don't have to do that. Um yeah, so like um, this whole scene is a very poignant scene for us to more so learn about Dolores and her tenacity and um, her ambition to get her son to the best people in the world um, because, or to, sorry, to partner with the best people in the world because um, they're not doing a favor for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's doing a favor for them. And she's the only one on the planet that knows about this. And it was important for her to have this like kind of character stamina that it tells you that she has a sense of authority over her opinion of her son. And the cool thing is that whether this is true or not, I, and like, I, I actually don't care if it's, if it's, if it's not true, but Sonny says in the scene that I believe Michael Jordan, your son um, is the greatest or he says something along those lines. Like, I'm here. I believe that he is the greatest, and I believe that you are the only person on the planet that knows that. And that was such an impactful line because it tells her character, and she knows it, that this is probably the most convincing thing that I've ever heard anybody say because he's right. I am probably the only person in the world that knows that he is great, and I'm going to push for my son to... For, for the world to know that my son is the greatest. Um, so she was really important and played a huge role in the decision-making for Michael Jordan growing, growing up and becoming a professional athlete. And that's something that you, that I never knew that I got to learn in the film. Um, after receiving a negative phone call from Jordan's agent, David Fogg, regarding contacting his client's family, Vicaro learns that the Jordans have scheduled a meeting at Nike's uh, Beaverton, Oregon headquarters the following Monday. Vicaro Strasser, and Strasser start preparing their pitch while requesting shoe designer Peter Moore to prepare a prototype, which Moore names Air Jordan. After Nike's air soul technology in the meantime knight accepts to assign the basketball division's entire 250 million uh, sorry two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget to hire air jordan now obviously at that time um they had two hundred fifty thousand that they wanted to split across four players in the nba draft uh sorry in the yeah in the nba draft in order for them to get into the nba and start promoting nike um but uh phil knight just wasn't having it. He was like, I, I don't want to spend $250,000 on one player. We can't do that. Like, you know, that's just too risky. And right, right. And the relationship that um, Phil Knight and Son of Ikara have in this film is it's, it's all very, it's, it's, it's like the most intense uh, dialogue and 
um, I guess, out of any other characters in the film. Like it's it's always it's it's always back and forth. It's quite pointy and edgy and um, yeah, just a lot of intensity between the characters. But they always manage to find um, consolation there. And I think finding consolation there is really down to Sunny's character just being calmer compared to. Well, no, he's not calmer, but he's he's he he holds himself well. Whether this is true or not for Sonny Vicari, he holds himself well uh, dealing with conflict and um, yeah, de- dealing with conflict and arguments with uh, Phil Knight, who's the who's his friend and the uh, owner and director or CEO of Nike. Um, but then also Phil's character is someone that's trying to practice um, a more balanced lifestyle by meditating and going for runs and having some kind of a voodoo is what Sonny Vicari's character says. Um, uh, you know, some kind of uh, a way of life, you know, where it's, it's a bit more sort of freedom in his mindset and whatnot. Anyway, so like, it, as much as those conversations can be intense between the two, they always manage to find some sort of consolation there. Um, then eventually, like Phil Knight um, hands it over and he says, "Like, yeah, just do it, whatever. Two hundred fifty thousand. If you th- if you think it's going to work, you know, this is what I hired you for." He eventually accepts the reality that Sonny Vicario, Vicario, he's the person that he hired for this very reason to make these risky decisions, even though it seems completely untenable. Um. Uh, so getting into Act 3. After the meeting with Jordan and his parents is successful, Vakara learns that Adidas matched the offer while adding a Mercedes-Benz 380SL. Um, and he thinks the deal will not go through. However, Vakara receives a call from Dolores directly. Now, this is when it all shapes up. And this is coming into the, to the end of the film, which is kind of the big celebration and you're kind of rooting for these characters to to get the deal done because up until this point, it's everything has just um, uh, the the directing has has really ushered us as viewers into this point where we're like we're we're so on board and we're so well connected with Sonny Vicara's character, so well connected with with uh, Rob Strauss's character, which we we get a peek behind his curtain a little bit by learning about some of the. Um, really really risky situations or challenging situations he has as a single father and stuff like that which is um allowing us to be more connected emotionally to that character and not just Sonny Vicara because at this point we're just really just emotionally invested in Sonny Vicara's character but then we learn a little bit about Rob Strasser which is really nice as well that's and that's all during the um the 24-7 48 hour uh prototyping revision and all that kind of stuff that they're doing uh to create the Air Jordan shoe. Um yeah, so um things that do will go through. However, Sorico receives the call from Dolores, who says that Michael will sign with Nike on the condition he earns a percentage of every Jordan Air Jordan sold. Now this is crazy. Like this conversation uh, this is something that I obviously never knew about and I'm pretty sure a lot of people that buy Air Jordans didn't know anything about this as well. Is that his mother ended up negotiating with Nike that he's going to get a percentage with every Air Jordan. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, Mind-blowing. And even that conversation over the phone was really, really, really inspiring and impactful as well. Even though Vicaro thinks the company's higher-ups would not accept this bonus, 
once Knight is told he deems it necessary to ensure the endorsement. An epilogue reveals the Air Jordan exceeded Knight's expectations of $3 million in sales, earning $162 million in one year and becoming a steady source of income for Jordan. And that is the end of the Air Jordan recap. Insane. Absolutely insane. So um, there's just quite a lot that I probably didn't touch up on in that recap, but um, we are sort of <laughs> creeping into the one hour mark here for this podcast episode. And we always sort of tell ourselves, like uh, myself and my friends that jump on the podcast, like, yeah, we'll keep it at one hour. But we end up sort of talking a lot more because there's just so much that we want to talk about in the film. And sometimes you just can't cover it in one hour. Sometimes it requires two hours. In some cases of like Marvel, big Marvel films like Avengers or something, it'll be like a three-hour podcast or something like that. But um, yeah, uh, it's really difficult to just to, to find whether this film has faults. Um, I, I wasn't bored. Like, I don't think you you can have uh, a film that has faults, or you can nitpick when you don't find yourself bored at any moment. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think people are always apprehensive um, to not give movies 10 out of 10s, which is exactly what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to give you my rating for Air Movie 10 out of 10. Do I have a clapping sound effects? (laughs) All right, not that. Wait, I got a cheering sound effects. Here we go. Uh, Air Jordan. Um, yeah, ten out of ten. I, I really can't give it anything else. It's just, it's awesome. I encourage everybody to go see it. If you've listened to this podcast episode this entire way and you haven't seen the film, make sure you go see it this weekend. Make sure you go see it like as soon as you can. You know, just make it a priority. All right, make it a priority. Go see it. Um, you won't regret it. Um, I can't wait for it to come onto streaming services because I'm going to purchase it, um, Google Play or something like that. Um, yeah, it's going to be super exciting, super, super exciting. Uh, that's all I really wanted to talk about with this film. Um, if there's anything that I missed out on, if there's things that you thought that didn't quite work in this film, I encourage you to jump into the comments section, jump to the DM section, just or comments i don't check the dms all the time (laughs) um no that's not true i I check it all the time uh jump into the comment section when i post this up um on instagram and post it up on stories uh post up a reel of this as well um i want to hear your thoughts on what you thought about the air jordan film or air film by the way before i wrap it up i feel like this movie should be called air jordan every time i say air i feel like it's incomplete (laughs) go see air Uh, when i was like saying that to a couple of you throughout the week i'm like hey you should go see air they're like go see what go see what air the the movie about air jordan's like man they should just call the movie air jordan maybe it might have been like a legal issue maybe they did want to call air jordan it might have been sort of a um a financial issue it might cost them a lot more to uh, rent that brand or license that brand or something like that anyway 10 out of 10 um and that is the end of this review um if you've stuck in this long thank you for sticking around um if you can 
if you're if you're a continued listener, if you're a regular listener um, to the Legit Cool Podcast, thank you for uh, your time and listening to this podcast. If there's anything else that you'd like us to review, um, to recap, whether it's a TV series or movie, um, throw it in the comment section, throw it in the DM section. We'd love to hear what you would like us to talk about, what you'd like us to nerd out about. Um, thank you for listening in, and um, we'll catch you in the next episode of the Legit Cool Podcast. Bye, everyone. <laughs>